0: Saturday Night Live with Casey Affleck is over, but we're just getting started here on Saturday Night Live live post show recap. And now here are the two guys better known by their nicknames Hog Taker and Log Maker. I'm Rob Sesternino. <laughs> here is
1: Rich Tackenberg. Rich, how are you? I'm good. I'm not sure if I'd rather be Hog Taker or Log Maker, but it's good to see you regardless.
0: Hog Taker, certainly all the way. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so first, my apologies to everybody as I am trying to get through this show today with a bad case of laryngitis. I was hoping to have my voice back today, but it is going to be a little bit of a rough sledding, and I hope it's not going to be too unpleasant of an experience for you guys listening to the show, Rich.
1: Oh, no, we'll get through. Don't worry. We, but I we appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so very sorry about that. Uh, and also a note at the top of, for a, uh, a double dose of uh, some bad news, I guess. Uh, so I just want to uh, start off the show this week and uh, mention that I'm sure it's going to be a surprise to most of the listeners of the show, but that this is going to end up being the last weekly SNL recap that we're going to do here on Post Show Recaps, Rich. It's been five years ago. uh, Last month, I checked, was the first SNL recap that we did. But it just is uh, a lot. It's a big commitment on my part. And uh, I, I do apologize. I know a lot of people really enjoy it but I just can't keep the commitment for 2017.
1: Yeah. Bummer to say goodbye to the audience. Of course, we all understand, you know, you know, Rob and, and, and what you're doing. So no, no harm, no foul, but certainly a bummer. It's been, and we'll talk about it end. It's been such a, a blast doing this with you for five years. Mm-hmm. So a shame to say goodbye, but totally understand.
0: Yeah. And uh, I do apologize about the uh, sudden notice for everybody, but it was something that, you know, I had been thinking about internally for a while and ultimately uh, Uh, made the call during the week that we were going to uh, wrap up the SNL recap. And I was going to focus my attention on uh, some of the other podcasting that I'm doing and try to take on some fewer commitments in 2017. So I do apologize uh, about that for everybody that's out there that enjoys this show. And it doesn't mean that uh, there won't be times in the future when Rich and I won't get back together to talk about some important things happening in the world of SNL.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad we made it to the end of the 2016. You know, we made it right to the end of the Christmas episode.
0: So we, we wrap up with SNL uh, as they do for the year. Okay, Rich. Well, let's talk about this episode, at which uh, featured a, a number of alumni. Uh, we get two alumni, I guess, of you, unless we're counting Alec Baldwin as a cast member at this point in time. Yeah, I, you know,
1: or ironically counting him as an alumni, which is you know him and John Goodman are are you know are such stalwarts of the show they feel like alumni although they haven't hosted. You know, as we as we suspected, Alec Baldwin took last week off and he came back to do his his uh, you know Trump impression, uh, and I. just just thought a lot of fun right out of the gate. I mean, I thought that you know what I do like when they do you know these political pieces is instead of doing hey we're recreating that press conference or we're recreating that debate this is a completely fictionalized what if kind of situation. Uh, and so not only do we get sort of the Tristma- Christmas Christmas of the Trumps, we get to see you know uh, what it's like when he you know when he gets to see Vladimir Putin and and their conversation. So I just thought uh, a, a lot of fun of a lot and a lot of different sort of mini pieces we got to take a lot of fun shots on a lot of different topics here which I really liked
0: yeah uh, of course as you predicted Rich uh, Alec Baldwin was going to be there for the uh, mid-season finale uh, and of course uh, he does not disappoint there uh, w- one of my favorite runners during the uh, sketch was Trump saying a couple different times uh, am I being scrooged am I being scrooged because yes. I hate that yes. I hate that one." Yes. I'm visited yeah. by the three ghosts. Yes,
1: we, you know, and we saw an interesting sort of subtle turn in the character of Donald Trump here, where we went from you know, uh, you know, self-aggrandizing, uh, you know, or ego or whatever, or or manipulative person. Whether not not to pass any judgment on the real person for the purposes of this conversation, we've really moved into the sort of the the George W. Bush of Will Ferrell, in that he's an oaf. You know, the the I noticed it very early when he talked about okay, now he just has to appoint someone to be president and he has to be reminded that he is the president and I love the line when he said can I just do it three days a week like Howard Stern <laughs> which was very reminiscent of the Will Farrell character and we'll see that when Milan when I'm sorry when um, when Putin is talking to Rex Tillerson uh, you know that uh, you know while they're sort of you know planning the world domination he wants to go after Vanity Fair so I think you can see where they're sort of settling into uh, you know the character I don't suspect I, I think like us uh, come January, uh, Alec Baldwin will not be, uh, you know, covering SNL. Uh, So we'll see what they do or or how much they sort of uh, downplay it. But I thought it was an interesting note how they sort of changed uh, the the character and sort of really refining how they're going to make fun of him going forward.
0: So Cecily appears in the sketch, and I think it's the first appearance of Melania in a live sketch. Uh, We saw her in a couple of the Melania interludes and certainly the uh, Melania Aid music video with the alec baldwin trump but this is the first appearance of her in a cold open Yes. Yeah. The, the two of them together live. And I thought they, you know, it
1: was it was a nice energy. They did a nice energy. I still love the Kate McKinnon character. I thought she did a, a wonderful job uh, and then fun to see John Goodman to play Rex Tillerson. I don't know why we needed John Goodman. Uh, I feel like there's a plenty of other cast members who could have done just a good a job. But I love John Goodman. So it really upped the energy of this and uh, the warm hello he gives Putin or as he calls him Poodie, uh, I thought was such a such a wonderful sort of take, um, you know, although I, I will say and, and of course, Beck Bennett doing a, a really fun Vladimir Putin, you know, clearly making a caricature out of this guy I like that every time that he plays Putin, it's always with the shirt off. I just <laughs> love that that's become the character. I thought there was a really <laughs> lovely piece of political commentary sort of just sort of nestled in when when Putin is talking to Trump. They're talking about, you know, whether or not they they uh, Russia had fixed the election and he said, says basically says so you trust me more than your own CIA and uh, and I thought that was a, a beautiful little subtle line about about Trump mixed into some very silly jokes
0: yeah and then of course uh, Putin presents the elf on a shelf uh, to Trump <laughs> yeah. uh, which is very popular at my house and then yeah. also Although this one
1: needs to be needs to be near your wireless router so <laughs> maybe a little bit different than your elf on a shelf which I thought was very cute
0: yeah and then uh, that I I really did think that it was funny when uh, Tillerson and Putin uh, are going over the map and then uh, discussing uh, where the oil was going to be drilled and uh, Trump really just became a third wheel.
1: Yes. Yeah. Very, very silly, almost as if he didn't understand what was going on, which I thought was very telling of the sketch. Mm-hmm. Uh I also like while it was not necessarily a, a defining finish to the sketch, I like that uh they uh that, that Putin and Tillerson get to say live from New York so we actually get the energy going into the opening credits that we need, which I which I really appreciated. It was nice nice energy uh for Live from New York at Saturday night.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, uh, let's get into the monologue of Casey Affleck, who we got to see uh, here with both Alec Baldwin and John Goodman uh, lurking about yeah this was an you know the the first thing i'll say it's interesting when you see
1: casey affleck come out and i understand apparently he's got this beard for a a movie role but you know as soon as he comes out so i'm looking at the beard and thinking what an interesting challenge the writers have in front of them when you when you've got a host with that kind of facial hair you can't just have him play the regular dad in a sketch or the boss in an office sketch that it really limits what you can do with this guy and in fact we're going to see him play a dirtbag, you know dunkin donuts customer and he's going to play Jesus and then he's going to play a guy playing Jesus's uh, you know, a uh, uh, father Joseph, and he's going to play an elf. Uh, like they, they really uh, other than maybe the Microsoft sketch, you, they, they really had to sort of uh, write around the characters that he could play because uh, you know, because he was not willing or able, but I would guess willing when you're booking a show, you know, the SNL this far in advance, willing to shave. So I, I thought that for the episode, it kind of put them in an interesting situation. I'd love to know sort of what happened behind the scenes there.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I did like uh, some of the start and stops uh, that came up. And I felt like that we had shades of this from the uh, Kristen Wig monologue that she did a couple of weeks ago, where it's like she was going to start to play the guitar and then they took it away and then they brought it back, uh, that he was going to start to sing. So I thought that there were funny moments in this, uh, even if it was not like a fully fleshed out idea.
1: Oh, it it felt like for some reason that they had written this monologue during the cold open like this really felt thrown together. I, I did love a shout out to us, whether real or imagined, that uh, when John Goodman and Alec Baldwin do come out for a cameo that Casey Affleck calls out that it would be a really lame thing for them to do, given that they had already appeared in the cold open. I was like, Rich's rules of cameo makes it to the monologue. That is my legacy for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes, yes. Uh, you nailed it. Yeah. It was very fun. So, so <laughs> you know, sure. Black Santa. Uh, I don't know that there was really necess- anything that, n- 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 uh, you know, any anything that really came of that. Um, but, you know, but certainly cute and fun. And and I will say this was mercifully short. So uh, I like that we didn't really have much of a premise to hang our hat on. So we just made a lot of funny jokes with some mostly very funny people
0: and then and then got out. OK, uh, Rich, uh, then we have one of our pre-taped pieces from tonight and uh, we had the Dunkin Donuts to go app. Yes,
1: you know, uh, you know, in this, you know, again, we'll never know. But, uh, you know, talking about the fact that, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live is committed to a number of actual branded entertainment spots. Um, I wouldn't have thought Dunkin Donuts because they are not a national advertiser, uh, although certainly watching the New York feed, it was littered with uh, Dunkin Donuts commercials at almost every break. Uh, I certainly think that this probably was a, a, a one of those branded entertainments because, again, it was interesting that they are doing a commercial. About Dunkin' Donuts, and yet never once made even the slightest joke about Dunkin' Donuts. It was all how great Dunkin' Donuts is, but look at this dirt bag—you know, the typical—you uh, know—customer uh, of Dunkin' Donuts. So, so interesting. But, uh, but overall, I did think this was funny. I think what we're gonna see here is Casey Affleck as a as a as the crazy one, as, as sort of the as the the you know as the comic lead is going to be much better in a pre-tape sketch that can be edited than he is in lo- in a live sketch uh and and yet here i thought he did a, a very fun job it was very silly and i enjoyed it
0: rich are you a big dunkin donuts fan
1: you know the dunkin donuts crazes post my time i mean you know dunkin donuts was not they did i don't even i think they just had black coffee for 25 cents the last i the last time i lived in the northeast uh so i just know them for believe it or not donuts uh but uh you know se- seem good enough how about you are you a duncan's you got your Dunkin's on. I mean,
0: I would uh, always prefer uh, a Starbucks, but, uh, you know, if I'm going to get like a uh, a breakfast sandwich or something like that, uh, I know. But the, uh, the all the Boston people I know swear by the Dunkin Donuts. Got it. And
1: I didn't know it to be a specific Boston thing because I knew Dunkin Donuts from, uh, you know, certainly from New York. They, you know, growing up in New York. And uh, and I think my family is probably more of a a Dunkin's family than a Starbucks family. I do like at the end when he throws the coffee at the guy's windshield and yells, go back to Starbucks. I thought that was a nice sort of out on that.
0: Um, Do you think that this is a character Casey Affleck wanted to play or this is just something that just worked out that he can do it?
1: Well, I think when your first movie role is in Goodwill Hunting, your roots are in I want to make fun of Boston. I want to sort of play the Boston. So I don't know that it, I, I suspect that you're right. I think that this was probably a character he wanted to do or at least brought up as something that he could do. Uh, and again, this character sort of, you know, the beard was justified. It, it did not stick out as why does this weird this character have this weird beard? So I think it all sort of fit together very well. Okay, Uh,
0: Rich, we have our third alumni sighting as Fred Armisen returns to do the sketch about Microsoft introducing a new office working robot who happens to be also gay.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think it's nice that we can go out on the podcast with one more Rich's Rules of Cameo that I don't know that has ever actually come up before. So this is my third Rich's Rules of Cameo, which is you don't start a scene on stage. A cameo is is, is the the energy of the cameo is always from the walk on, not from, you know, lights, you know, fade from black and suddenly there's the person. So I think we would have gotten much more of a Fred Armisen boost if we just would have started started uh you know with you know with it with him not on stage and then him coming out to join mckinnon um but that said uh i thought this was a very pleasant sketch i thought this was a very uh, I loved the idea of the sketch. I loved that we are now in such a politically correct world that the normal person can't even comment on why would you intentionally choose to make a robot gay without it turning into, you know, why would you ask that Do you have a problem with gay people? Uh, so I, I thought the premise was 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 very, very, very silly sketch. I thought it was a very ingenious premise. Uh, I don't know that it went anywhere for me. I think once we got to the Kyle Mooney part where it just became broader and broader uh, and they and they didn't really give um, they didn't really give our host Casey Affleck a a lot a lot of places to go Um, this is the one time where he's a straight man that there's no justification for the situation uh, why he looks the way he does I don't know that he held I don't know that his reactions gave us enough of the big comedy that we needed here
0: yeah Uh, I thought that this sketch was going to be where we had the robots that kept bringing out the hors d'oeuvres that we had an earlier introducing robot sketch. Was that this season? That was the end of last season. That
1: was no, no, no. That was this season. Yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah. And I thought that's what we were doing again. Uh, I was happy that we were doing something different. Uh, Also, uh, Beck Bennett looked incredible as a robot
1: yeah no the the actually I think the wardrobe and makeup on that was excellent and and he did a very good job but uh but overall, I thought he did an excellent job there yeah
0: uh yeah. rich now it's something like this does this come up? Does Fred Armisen have this idea, or they have this sketch, and Fred Armisen is available, and he shows up and they just let him take it?
1: It's a good question. If I had to guess, I think I would think that this was probably a Fred Armisen idea because I don't know why else Fred, like there's no need. I mean, this easily could have been, you know, Mikey Day. It could have been Bobby Moynihan. It could have been, uh, you know, really, it could have been another female cast member. It could have been A.D. Bryant. So so I don't know why it needed to be him. There was nothing about it. And then also, it there wasn't much to his performance in the sketch that really anchored it. So I really do wonder if maybe it was an idea that he had had. uh, As you said, I I think that there's a very good chance that's the
0: case. Yeah. Um, Also, it does seem like a Fred Armisen piece as well. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. so what we're going to do is go a little bit out of order. Uh, We'll talk about the jingle Barack uh, coming up next, and we'll bring James in to talk about that and chance the rapper uh, after we talk about the sketch of the three people who got to meet Santa Claus, or at least the two people who got to meet Santa Claus and the one person who got to meet Santa Claus's helper, uh, Crinkle Mouse.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I don't think we have to tell anyone who's listening to this podcast. This was our third outing. They first had done it with Ryan Gosling a year ago, and then brought it back with Brie Larson uh, in May last year. So this is our third time out. Format, it's you know, it is one hundred percent now Mad Libs. I mean, everyone sits in the same seats. You know, it's always Adi and Bobby. So everything about this is the same. So this one I'm mixed on because I, you know, it, the this was you know what they say about you know bad pizza is still better you know it's still better than no pizza um i thought this was by far the weakest i don't think that it was because the writing was worse than the first two i just feel like we all now know the rhythm so there's no surprise to the fact that you know that cecily's character turned out to be uh you know having a bad time while everyone else had a good time we all knew exactly where this was going so i think that was a little challenging for me um clearly you didn't have the case of the giggles i mean and i think you could see that that because the audience wasn't going crazy the and Everyone kind of knew where this was going. 80 held it together. Bobby held it together. The guest host held it together. Only, uh, only I think, maybe a little bit. Um, uh, uh, Kate McKinnon started to break a little bit. So um, so it, it was so I think it was definitely the weakest of the three. But that said, a very solid sketch. So, you know, a lot of a lot of the specific writing of this was absolutely fun. And, and they did a great job, to, you know, given knowing that we knew what we were going to do.
0: Rich, when you feel like a sketch gets in a rut like this, I mean, what do you think the answer is? Is the answer to make it bigger? Is the answer to take the characters and completely change up the scenario?
1: I always think as the fan of the show, I always think break the format, even if you don't have to break it 100%. Don't have it just be the exact beats over and over again to where we know. Oh, and then the return wasn't the same. And then the like, I, I thought there could have been a nice turn here. They could have done something different, uh, you know, just mix up. Maybe some of it could have been quite positive or maybe they she could have have interacted with Cecily and Casey Affleck's characters for the first time You know, like in this fictitious situation or something uh, or question the reality, the validity of it, something so that we weren't caught in what I always called the Mad Libs of SNL, which lives and dies by the writing. And in this case, while the writing was still good, they couldn't get past the fact that it was Mad Libs.
0: Yeah, it seems like uh, she always ends up losing her pants and then uh, has to come up with uh, two uh, like pairs of names for her private parts, uh, which, again, is you know, ends up being funny, but it is sort of like how many different times uh, can we come up with uh, different names for the same body parts?
1: Yeah, the, because the first time we didn't know it was going to be a runner, so it was just hilarious to, A, that they were well-written, and B, that it kept going and going. The second time, we've already experienced it, but we don't remember it as a pattern yet, because we've only seen the sketch six months earlier, once before, so it's still a bit novel, even though we're like, oh, okay, I kind of see where we're going with this. And then uh, this time, you know, you know right at, you know, when she talks about her cooter and tutor, you know, it's <laughs> still funny, but it was just like, oh, right, okay, we're doing that. Okay, got it yeah uh the
0: grassy knoll and the gassy hull uh was uh, also <laughs> mentioned uh, rich uh what did you think of uh mrs crinkle mouse and shark uh
1: you know all fine enough uh I don't know that there was anything all to me all that funny about the about or or different about the shark character or mrs I, n- nothing here was uh i thought particularly that funny i mean again even the idea of sort of uh you know her sort of knocking Cecily's boob is so- such you know we we basically have seen this exact you know it's such a slight tweak on the same formula so uh i was really just like eh, okay whatever
0: yeah okay well let's uh bring in james to uh, talk about some of the music from this episode and i guess uh james first off how are you doing
2: i'm good thanks how are you
0: uh very well as
2: good as other than the voice you know yeah
0: yeah, hopefully uh, it's not a total disaster. Uh, Looking but, forward to a little break. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that being said, uh, James, uh, let's talk about the Run DMC styled uh, Christmas in Hollis parody of Jingle Barack. Uh,
2: yeah, so uh, Run DMC had a, a, one of the very first kind of hip hop Christmas songs uh, in 1987 with Christmas in Hollis and uh it was a it was a big uh, crossover hit and I know from my days uh working record retail that uh the run d m c Christmas album's still a solid seller uh every year and I'm sure mm. that continues to be true um and so this was uh this is pretty much a straight up parody of the song and the video and uh you know i i don't know why i if you guys are run d m c fans but uh I thought it was really terrific with uh Keenan playing Run and uh, Chance the Rapper uh, subbing in as uh, as DMC and uh, and, you know, just, you know, rewriting it for the the last Christmas with Barack, I thought was a really uh, brilliant spin. And then uh, I also enjoyed uh, quite a few of the presents that were uh, scattered throughout the video as well
1: and I will tag on to James I you know here's a shocker never seen that video before I only have a passing knowledge of the real run DMC I know them mostly from collaborating with Aerosmith so that says more about me than them and yet I thought this was very fun very funny not so I know enough about run DMC to know sort of the archetypes and, and to know sort of that they were doing them specifically but all the specifics I thought were very fun and I and I thought this was great energy chance the rapper just it just drip charisma in this i thought he was just so good and i can't tell you whether it was an impression or whether he was just dressed like him doing his own thing but he was excellent here
2: it's pretty close to an impression i mean chance doesn't sound like that normally and uh he certainly has a unique uh voice in his own uh in his own music so i thought it was pretty bang on uh dmc impression and then dmc himself of course uh, shows up at the end, uh, which was a, a nice nod, I thought, you know, just to uh, in just in terms of uh, both celebrating them and a good uh, holiday gag. Yes.
0: And Excellent. then uh, Leslie Jones makes an appearance as uh, is that a salt and Peppa parody, James?
2: <laughs> it is indeed. No sign of the real salt or Peppa, But uh, but yeah, I thought Leslie Jones did a terrific job as well. Talking about Joe Biden. Everybody was clearly having a good yeah. time.
0: Yeah, uh, that was very fun. Uh, I did enjoy it. I watched it a second time today. Uh very funny stuff. Okay. Um then James, what about the actual music of Chance the Rapper?
2: So what's curious about I thought about uh Chance doing this run DMC uh parody was uh it's the mo- very the most old school uh you know hip hop reference you could really get with the uh with the big the big glasses and the gold chains and And Chance is is really the opposite of that. Chance is literally rewriting the rules of hip hop. Uh, He forced the Grammys. He didn't force them to, but uh, he made a record so good that it forced the Grammys to change the rules of the Grammys uh, in order for him to qualify because he's never sold a record in his life. He has always Hmm. given away all of the music that he's ever made. And as a result, with no sales, you don't qualify for a Grammy. And so they literally had to rewrite the rules wow. in order for Chance because his album Coloring Book is is clearly one of the best albums of the year and uh they were just going to look foolish by essentially ignoring it on a technicality and so they had to rewrite the rules to to uh to let Chance in um and uh as a result he was nominated for 7 Grammys including album of the year last week uh so he's capping off a, a pretty spectacular year um the first song is uh is uh called finish line slash drown and uh one of the things that i love about chance is that he uh takes on some heavy subject matter sometimes but uh everything about him is characterized by joy uh all of his music is joyous uh all his performance always seems really joyous uh, the all the gospel influence that he infuses into things everything seems like a celebration even at, at times when uh you know he's addressing some dark subject matter in his uh in his lyrics i just he's he's one of the most fun performers i think to watch and uh you know it just it just oozes fun even the fact that he's in the for for this first song he's kind of dressed like like Mario <laughs> like he's you know with the red overalls and the and the, the three cap in different colors is also a signature so he he's sort of weirdly a cartoon but he's also an insanely talented guy and and uh you know making this super interesting music and uh certainly no doubts about uh, whether or not he was playing to a backing track uh given that he uh he sort seemingly spontaneously uh, prompted his drummer into an impromptu solo uh, in the middle of the first song. So, so good job by Chance
0: the Rapper uh, the first time around. Do you encourage that, James? Should a artist like do something to prove that they're not doing a lip sync on SNL? Uh,
2: it seemed to me that that uh, SNL gave Chance a lot of freedom. Uh, I, I it, the first time I watched both songs, I thought they both ran. Longer than average for a for an SNL performance. I mean, Prince comes in. Prince gets as much time as he wants, but this is this is Chance's first time as a headliner on the show. He appeared with Kanye West earlier this year, but uh, the first song ran o- almost five minutes, and the second song ran four and a half minutes, which uh, I think is a lo- nine minutes of SNL time is a lot to give over to uh, essentially a, a relatively new music artist. So um, I, I thought it was I, I think they just gave him time to play and, and he you know wanted to play around. He also brought in uh, a fellow Chicago rapper No Name uh, for the first song, the young woman who came on and had a, a very um, appropriately uh, gospel tinged prayerful voice uh, verse. Uh, at the end of the song. So yeah, I thought uh, I thought they gave Chance a lot of freedom to kind of do what he wanted.
1: Okay. Now that second song, did he write that during the cold open while the writers were writing the monologue? Because uh, if he did, he probably had three extra minutes after he finished writing it.
2: I, are you saying that about this song? About same drugs?
1: Yes. I, 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 did, did he write that like on the way to the stage? Uh, it, it felt like an improv musical that just uh, that they just that just was writing it on the fly.
2: Rich, I, I'm surprised because I think that there are some some hidden depths to that song that you're not uh, that you're not giving it credit for. Uh, I mean, the idea of uh, not doing the same drugs anymore. It's about I, I think the song's really about uh, old friends that have grown apart and their lifestyles have changed and uh they you know where those those sort of friends where you know you still feel the bond that you used to have but you don't share the life the life that you used to share uh and so the the difficulty and challenge of sort of connecting with those friends uh as as your lives go in different directions that's what same drugs is about but uh and i think it's a terrific song it's one of my favorites on his record but uh you know Genius comes in uh, many forms.
1: Well, hopefully this song doesn't apply to us in a few
2: years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still going to call you guys once a week just to talk about the show. Right? <laughs> That's We're fine. fine by me. I love it. Yeah. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, uh, great job, James. Anything else on Chance?
2: Uh, well, uh, you guys will get to it. But uh, another throwback move from Chance when he breaks out the hammer dance later on in, as, the, uh, as the Three Wise Men. So, <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, My prediction is that we will see Chance as a host, if not a host and also musical guest, probably next year. Uh, Although I think we'll see Nicki Minaj do that first. Okay, wow. So I'm going to I'm going to leave on those predictions.
0: James is calling his shot. Well, James, again. Uh, thank you for all your contributions uh, to the show. Uh, and really, uh, you know, you saw a hole where uh, Rich and I uh, were uh, completely inadequately covering the music on this show. <laughs> and you came in and uh, really did uh, help us out. And so thank you so much, James. You can follow all James right. on Twitter at Exclaim Editor.
2: I appreciate you having me. And it's been tons of fun. Thanks. Okay, Same James.
0: Day. All right. Take care. Bye, James. All the best. Bye. All right, Rich, uh, you ready to talk some weekend update?
1: Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I, and unfortunately, I don't have a lot, a lot written down that I want to quote from. As I said, I was feeling a little under the weather this morning, but uh, I thought another very solid weekend update. Uh, I don't know that every joke hit, but I mean, when is that ever going to happen? But I feel like uh, two weeks in a row, uh, we've really kind of settled in there. They're really sort of sharpening their fangs on the Donald Trump stuff and uh, and spent, you know, a very large amount of time to that. Now, given that is the current events of the day, so uh, I don't think there was anything going on that they avoided um but uh but a lot of fun here and i think that the, the groove that they were in i feel i felt like there was even a few jokes i wish i could comment and tell you which ones that i felt that uh, michael che very specifically delivered very well in, in a very cutting way so a, lo- a lot of fun here
0: yeah i agree i thought that the guys were uh starting to get into a good role uh i did like the red flags joke uh that they opened with uh yep. i thought that was very strong yep. Uh, and then uh, they got into uh, like uh, later on in Weekend Update, they you know, they went back to the Trump thing and they were uh, continuing like they had a couple of really good ones uh, in a row. I liked Collins' joke about the they uh donald trump chose the exxon ceo because it was 3 cents cheaper than the chevron ceo across the street uh which was very good yes, yes. uh and also the uh russian uh, uh medal of, of friendship uh given to tillerson yeah. is the second highest award that they could give you other than the president of the united states uh, so that was good yeah um Rich, we had Armisen return to the uh, update desk. Uh, Always a dicey proposition.
1: Yeah, I mean, and this is one we, you know, we've talked about the childhood best friends uh, format before. Uh, You know, we haven't seen. Uh, this since season thirty-nine, so we're going back three years to the Lena Dunham episode when he came back to do that. Um, you know, and I I'm always uh, suspect of a lot of the characters that uh you know that Fred Armisen does on Weekend Update. This is a and this is a bit that I think the first time he and Vanessa Bayer did this on the show, I, I was I was pro, and then we started doing it so much, and this is a very Mad lib style bit where it's basically the same thing every time. Uh, so I think I got burned on it very quickly, but I think the fact that it's been three years, we haven't seen this in three years, uh, it made it fun. Ironically, the last time they did it three years ago, they were also Putin's best friends. It was it was very specific. Um, so I thought it was just a, a, a fun bit of inspired silliness that they threw in here. Um, I liked that, you know, usually when they've done these pieces, they just talk about different things about the person where here, we really just basically tracked the storyline of going to a party at Putin's house and not bring bringing gifts and and like and and they just kept kept going back to the same story so uh you know all very silly all all sort of disposable fun Uh, but I thought it was it was fun to see Um, I think Vanessa Bayer is great in this although obviously uh, um, Fred is the alumni returning I think Vanessa really shines in this Uh, she did very fun Uh, and then the tag at the end uh, I think we've seen this before uh, where the the, you know the uh, the anchor is sort of roped into the same I love the person but you know uh, Mm -hmm. that that was not necessarily new Uh, so uh, but but in general I was surprised that I actually did, I did really like it.
0: Rich, is this bit uh, highly scripted or is it more improvisational when they do it? Is it like a Garth and Cat? Because I was wondering, as they're going along, it does feel like that. You know, it's a good question because, you know, normally
1: I would always have said that this is scripted, uh, especially because they're sort of picking up on. I think it was mostly scripted because there are times that they were picking up on each other's beats that I think had to be preplanned. But there was a point where uh, they were saying something about what Putin says. And in in a similar style, you had Fred say saying it and Vanessa like saying it it won like a syllable behind him where she it almost seemed like she was copying him so I do wonder if that is a little bit of the way that you get Fred Armisen to come back is to give him to some pockets where they can improvise if they did I bet that it was improvising within a fairly structured piece as opposed to Garth and Cat, which is really just the two of them making it up the whole time
0: okay Rich we also had the return of the uh, rejected jokes segment from Colin. And, and Michael do you like when they do this I've never understood
1: the premise of this because after every time they do it I always feel like oh I understand why those jokes got cut the first time. Uh, none of them were terrible. I think one of them was was particularly funny. But for the most part, I think it was the Chipotle joke about the, you know, that, you know, the announcement came from the through the bathroom door or something. But in general, I, I always have felt like it's been a weaker way to go out. And uh, and this for me was no exception it was it was a little bit weaker for me.
0: Right. It's not like that. These are the uncensored jokes that we couldn't tell you because they got cut by NBC. They're just yes. the jokes that we thought weren't funny enough to tell you the first time around. But here they are now.
1: Yeah. And, and you would think that having now done this a few times, they might have learned that, oh, in fact, pound for pound, these jokes don't connect with the audience the second time. So so maybe we should not do this anymore. But you know what? God bless them. Keep keep doing what you're
0: doing. OK, um, anything else from Weekend Update? No, a
1: uh, good, good way to go out. Uh, solid, solid work from everyone.
0: OK, uh, let's talk about the uh, New York Now uh, sketch, which was hosted by uh, Jen Jen Binks and Sarah <laughs> hors, which I uh, might have been the funniest uh, joke in the whole sketch. Uh, so we had we, I, I don't necessarily know why we needed to do such a build up with the news desk, throwing it out to Kyle Mooney who was on Long Island covering a nativity play.
1: Yeah, and I would I would underscore that by saying, while there was some real fun in this sketch, I don't think I ever knew what the point was, because it seemed like where we were going is obviously that this this nativity scene is actually this this play is actually not nearly as funny as everybody is saying it is. And yet Kyle Mooney, the reporter who you you think is going to be the straight man and be like, I don't get it. Nothing's funny, uh, was instead, uh, you know, laughing along with the hilarity. So I, it, it almost felt like a... sort of odd character piece of everyone is believing this thing that the audience knows not to be true Um, and I kept waiting for them to cut back to uh, you know the two anchors to interplay so um, I I thought there was some fun within it but I kept waiting for the big payoff I kept waiting for the okay so we've invested in this for what and it just sort of ended so I uh, so was definitely a a little uh, a little let down by it by the sketch they kept saying that like
0: no kids couldn't do this Kids can yes. make a joke that was as good as this. And I thought at some point we were going to see young people come in and do something much funnier or much better than what they were doing. Uh, But it was just like something they just kept going back to,
1: especially when Mikey Day shows up in the sketch as the son of one of the people. And yet there's not it's not a situation where he was in it and he got cut. So, you know, instead they sort of went with, oh, she has no time to deal with his issues about drugs and sex because she's got to do this, this, this play. Um, But, yes, I, I felt like I kept waiting for there to be a bigger payoff that never came.
0: I wonder if this was based on something that they saw and then it just didn't come through in the translation. Like there might've been like some news thing that was covered which was probably hilarious to the writers, but it just did not come through in the writing of the sketch.
1: Yes. And, and I will say the idea of people putting on a performance that they think is hilarious, that is not hilarious to everyone else is something that I deeply understand. And uh, it is, <laughs> I have not had the same feelings as, well, I guess I can't say anyone in the sketch because no one was calling out, but you know, you, you're waiting for the reaction here. We're waiting for the straight man, you know, we're waiting for, you know, the, you know, the, the straight, Great Man in the sketch to say, I don't get it, that's not funny. Instead, we all thought it was funny, so uh, I, I was, yeah, d- didn't get it, but I, I can see where this might have come from.
0: All right, Rich, uh, let's talk about another pre tape piece, uh, one that's uh, been getting a lot of buzz online. Uh, Kate McKinnon returns as Hillary Clinton with a Love Actually parody. I think it might have been 2 years ago that SNL did another Love Actually parody uh with Pete Davidson holding up cue right. cards Uh, but but, uh, they go back to the well again this time Hillary Clinton is trying to recruit one of the electors to vote for her uh, in Monday's uh, electoral college decision
1: yes and I can't remember if the Pete Davidson was live or if it was cut for time but it was but it was done live it was not a pre-tape and I Mm -hmm. think uh, so many good things to say about the sketch but first I'm so glad they did this as a pre-tape because you know the the mechanics of having the cue cards would have I think we would have lost so much of the rhythm had we done this as a live sketch. Um, uh, but I thought this was great, and, and and not only was she great, Cecily Strong was so great playing Kira, the Kira Knightley role, and just you know she did so much with just a look and a giggle and a laugh that really, really sold it. That without that, this is this is cute, but it's not great. So I want to make sure she gets called out. But I thought such a funny because you're it's not simply we're just going to map. Hey, let's take Love Actually and do something silly it took a very real you can imagine what Hillary might want to do if she could bump into an elector um, so I loved I, I thought it was such a deep well to go to and they were able to play it in so many different ways with some direct calls out to the love actually bit that to be honest probably none of us really remember until we went back and watched it a second time uh, but uh, but also that you know the you know just new stuff that they did that you know very specific to Trump and the electorate and the thousand dollar check I just oh, all of that was beautiful so I to me, this was without question the, the the sketch of the night
0: yeah uh they really got in some good uh Hillary mannerisms into the cue cards where she's going on and like, all right, all right let's get to, let's get yes. to the point point. and Hillary Clinton yeah. has never actually seen a movie, uh, yes. which was really, really strong now rich let let's see how well I know you. Did you pause and read all of the uh cue cards when Hillary drops down her list? of why Trump should not be the president.
1: You know, I I didn't because I we watched it live, which we did not have on DVR, uh, the live New York feed. Uh, And then I was unfortunately under the weather, so I did not get to watch this a second time. But it is the kind of thing that, of course, I would do. I just haven't had time to. Did you?
0: Yes, I did. Uh, So most of them were not jokey. They were all like uh, pretty like uh, straight things, except for number seven, uh, which was a little bit self-referential which was he won't acknowledge aleppo but tweets about saturday night live
1: (laughs) (laughs) love it love it yeah Yeah. so
0: i know this was a really really fun uh sketch overall
1: and i also liked the pace of it that we didn't have to that they didn't make the choice to set up very early on that this is an elector uh at christmas time like they really sort of let it unfold like what are we doing here? And I mean that in a good way, like, you know, okay, this is a parody of love. Actually it's Hillary Clinton, but it, it, it sort of built in a very nice way how we got there. So I, I, I think also the, the right, the pacing of the writing was, was really excellent. Yeah. So uh, I'm,
0: I'm on the same page. This was great. Okay. So uh, why don't we segue rich to something that we've talked about uh, two times before, Uh, Yeah, let's talk about Santa's naughty elves.
1: Yeah, you know, so uh, we'll go from the good to the not so good. Uh, You know, I think the uh, uh, the the hard part about watching this was not only, oh, man, I can't believe we're bringing this back, but also the feeling of, oh, is this now going to become an annual tradition? You know, we had done this last Christmas with Ryan Gosling, um, and originally we had done it with Louis C.K. in May. It was not a Christmas thing. He was a shoemaker and they were making his they were cobbling his shoes for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but clearly we've moved into a uh, into it into a, a Christmas tradition. Um, you know, again, this is this isn't even really mad libs. This is really just like take the sketch out and uh, and just do it again with a couple of small tweaks to it. Um, that said, I do think Keenan is funny. I think Vanessa is very funny in this, but I don't think that Casey Affleck now we're now asking him to be sort of, you know, part of the goofiness. And I just I don't think he was nearly as strong as Ryan Gosling was a year year ago in having fun with it and being over the top and being silly. I felt like the energy kind of kept stalling a little bit when we were dealing with Casey Affleck's character here.
0: Yeah. I think that if my memory serves, I think I liked this uh, originally, but it does get to a point where it just gets dark and uh, it's not <laughs> particularly hilarious at this point. Yeah. And
1: very repetitive. So uh, <laughs> I think that was. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again and again, you know, to my again, I'm, I'm going to play like I'm, you know, suddenly a writer on SNL. But I would say, uh, you know, as a fan, you know, I really go out with this to SNL of like, you've got these characters that you like. You see something very funny in them. The audience clearly has a reaction to it at times that is quite positive why just do it like take them and do something different with them and mix it up and maybe have them all be small so that we can see some real interaction with the with the sort of straight man in the sketch or something just or actually have them slap their butts for once i mean do something that's just evolves it 10%. 10%. I'm not even asking for 50 or 75%, just evolve it 10% to give it some life. I, I hope that, you know, when we're talking about this, uh, you know, next year uh, at Christmas time, we've seen some evolution to, to the sketch. Okay, Rich.
0: Uh, we have uh, one last sketch from this episode. And uh, we have, I thought this was a, a funny idea. Of the Brooklyn bar where every conversation uh, starts off by somebody saying, like, I can't believe I'm going to ask this to you, but I might be crazy, but I'm just yeah. going to go out there and say it. So here's my theory on the sketch.
1: Somehow the writers had already found out that this was our last podcast of the run of mm-hmm. the, and they thought as a christmas gift to rich we let's end the last episode of the last podcast with a huge uh, boy. oh no <laughs> and, uh, boy. it's like they wrote it with that intent like every line was geared like they imagined me on my couch with jen with my hand to my head going oh uh, boy
0: this was this even was, for 1255 Whoa rich you thought this was a boy this was
1: rough this was very very rough i this to me was so rough that when kate mckinnon came out as the paramedic i imagined what it must have been like for her during that sketch as they're eating it on stage and the audience is just stone face cold and and they're getting nothing and her thinking I got to go out there. Really? I still have to go out there. Can't they just call it early? Why do why do I have to jump out there? And then of course she does, you know, full force. But, uh, I thought this, this was, rough very very rough (laughs) what about when god came on uh you know uh, you know a nice a nice ending to the sketch i I think also casey affleck and i know i'm sort of uh begging on the guy i mean it's his first time out but i think you know there were certain points where we really were relying on his comedic timing uh you know and it and it also really slowed slowed it down it didn't necessarily heighten so um yeah i i am of course afraid that we will see this again again um but uh you know very rough for me very
0: rough okay so then rich uh the goodbyes with casey affleck we have uh alec baldwin in the building fred armison uh john goodman everybody stick around
1: uh no we did not see alec or john goodman um and again i think there's a pattern to you know alec tends to show up when the other person shows up and and doesn't show up when the other person doesn't so um you know you know, it seemed like really fun. Good nights. Uh, you know, uh, I think it was fine. I think this, you know, the end, you know, they have now, uh, you know, the longest break that they will have during the season. So I think there's always such a really warm energy, even for people, you know, that had very, very little screen time. There's still a, a really warm feeling here. Uh, and I think everyone really enjoyed themselves.
0: Yeah. Uh, the next SNL is going to be on uh, January 14th, I believe, with yep. uh, Felicity Jones of Rogue One. Yep. And Sturgill Simpson of
1: Brother of Jessica <laughs> and Ashley Simpson. Yep. Um, One of the Simpson members from the cartoon show. I I don't know. Rich, have
0: you gone out to see Rogue One yet?
1: No, I am still rogue on seeing Rogue One. I I, I think I'm going to I don't know if I'm going to pass or not, but I didn't. I haven't heard uh, great things just yet. Okay.
0: Wow. a big hit, big opening weekend uh, for the Rogue one. I think that there was already talks for uh, the cast to return for Rogue two. I'm sure. Very exciting. Bring Uh, it on. So. All right. uh, Let's take some questions here. Uh, The great Scott St. Pierre behind the scenes, who has made so many of these SNL podcasts possible, uh, has put together for us. Uh, Zach Brooks says. Uh, Cold Open and Jingle Barack had some fantastic jokes. Same writers. It would be
1: unlikely that that was the case. Um, You never know, but it would be unlikely, uh, but possible. So, but but a lot. I agree. A lot of great jokes in them. Okay. Uh,
0: Colleen wants to know. Why do you think Bobby always hangs off to the stage left shyly during the good nights? Does he have a spot? He does. He
1: does. And, and Taron Killam used to stand there with him. They they always stand there very much off to the side. He usually leans in and he does a wave. Sometimes he has a little sign. Sometimes he has a shirt on that he'll show to people. Um, it's an interesting choice. And I don't know. Uh, and it's always been that way. I think it started when he was a featured player uh, and he sort of hung off. I don't know if he's a, a bit of a creature of habit and and likes the tradition uh and that or if he sort of likes not being sort of front and center uh and you know there is the awkwardness of the cast just standing there while the host is actually thanking people and saying good night so he may just sort of like being out out a bit and then he comes in to sort of you know thank people and thank the
0: host and stuff okay it's a good good tradition yeah uh then johnny de says what changes to snl are you two expecting to see if any when the show returns in 2017 so you don't think there's going to be any cast changes between now and the start of uh, the in the new year, right? No, I don't think so. I, I think, uh, you know, um,
1: I think clearly, uh, you know, the when you look at let's just say the rest of the season in general, sort of then going into the the final, you know, you know who because obviously we won't be talking about it more, um, you know, most notably, you know, Melissa Villasenor is someone who, you know, came on as the third repertory player this season and yet has been getting almost no screen time. I think the fact that she had a line in the Dunkin' Donuts bit and her line is cut off by Casey Affleck's character was very indicative of, uh, you know, of trouble. Um, So, uh, and and I think she's really talented. I would really hope, I think that it would behoove the show, armchair quarterbacking for a second, to let her do some impressions or even do a sketch in the 1250 slot, even if it doesn't kill. I think that the audience needs to sort of be socialized her a little bit more and see her as uh, as a uh, as an impressionist instead of just playing the wife, the you know, the hostess, the you know, the the Dunkin Donuts employee um, before she's really going to sort of connect. So, um, you know, so I think that's an issue that, you know, obviously, I think the big issue going into uh, into next year is going to be what do they do about Trump? I, I think that's. Uh, you know, an interesting sign. And obviously having someone like Rex Tillerman, uh, Tillerson played by, you know, another alumni is also not a long term solution. So I think they're going to have to really figure this out. And I suspect that we'll start seeing them try to figure it out going into the new year.
0: But that being said, uh, the secretary of state, uh, other than the Janet Reno by Will Farrell, I feel oh, no, she wasn't. that's attorney general. Um, You know, that's not necessarily a character that uh, gets a lot of play on SNL.
1: No, I I think without getting too political, the fact that a CEO of the largest oil company in the world is going to be the secretary of state, it should be fodder for a lot more biting humor than he got picked because the other guy was three cents cheaper. Uh, So I hope that they uh, do more with this, assuming that it happens. Of course, we don't actually know that he he will be. Um, I I guess I was just saying more. it's, It's a little bit indicative of of, mm-hmm. you know, do we have a cast problem? You know, do we have a larger cast problem that we need to solve? And and I think you know, when you look at people like Sashira Zameda, who we all like, you know, a lot here, you know, getting you know, less screen time than Alex Moffat or Mikey Day, you know, you, you really wonder what's going on. Uh, Pete Davidson, again, not in this episode, again, uh, you know, clearly uh, out on some form of sabbatical or, or doing another project. Um, but, you know, but I think on the male side, I think there's there there's some holes that they're going to have to continue to fill. Um, Mikey and Alex, uh, great additions to the cast, but don't necessarily fill those holes just yet. So, you know, and and just you know, I'll, I'll, as far as the cast goes, and I'll leave this here. I we I love this cast. I think it's a very strong cast. I think it's a very cohesive cast. But we still have a star problem. SNL is is made or broken by its stars, and you know, uh, Kate McKinnon, you know, is right now the only even close to a star. And I think to call her. star really sort of uh, you know makes us forget how big Will Ferrell was how big Eddie Murphy was how big you know Dana Carvey was uh, that we don't have that yet and uh, and I think that you know if someone doesn't bubble up pretty quickly then I think it's going to behoove them to make some bigger cast changes losing some people that maybe I like a lot that I think are very competent serviceable funny people but uh, you know you got to keep
0: you got to keep rotating the lineup until you get a star so, Rich, the first SNL podcast that we did was on November 21st, 2011. We talked about Jason Siegel uh, hosting uh, for the first time. Uh, that was during the, uh, I believe, uh, we had uh, the likes of Sudeikis, uh Wig, Hater, uh, yeah, same. you had
1: it was the last year of Andy Sandberg and Kristen Wiig. Uh, you know, you had, you know, we were in OC, you know, you know Taron Killam, Kate McKinnon just came on at the end of that year, mm-hmm. uh, Jay Farrow. So yeah, it was really sort of the beginning of this regime change. You know, you know, looking at this list. The only people that were in that uh, episode that are still on the air is Bobby um, Keenan uh, and Van- Vanessa. Uh, yeah, and Vanessa. So, you know, you know, a fairly large turnaround in the in the five years we've been
0: doing this. We've completely shepherded in a new cast, Rich. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh do you feel like SNL is in a better place now? here in uh, season 42 than it was in season 37.
1: I think it is because you know really I think that the the uh, the Trump piece gave them something that you know became water cooler moment I mean you know the entire you know up until the, the emergence of Trump you know our podcast has been covering the Barack years of SNL to which they never really made hey Fred Armisen originally and then Jay Farrow but they never really made him a dynamic character we were never sharing links to the you know, the Barack cold open that everyone had to see. And this year, they really turned that around. I think that was very strong. Um, I also think that a good sign of the show is that we've got a real nice Ben strength of Weekend Update characters. So, you know, while I don't need to see Willie ever again, um, I think that in general, you know, we, we are not just going to the same two or three people. Uh, you know, in a testament to that, I was surprised we didn't see Drunk Uncle this weekend. I really thought we would see, uh, you know, Drunk Uncle for the holidays. Uh, and they did not burn him out. I think by the time we see drunk uncle again, uh, you know, it'll have been a nice break. So so I think that that's really strong. Um, you know, so you know, and we're seeing more fun pre-tapes showing up at all different times in the show, which is nice. It's not just the voice of uh, you know, The Lonely Island and that The Lonely Island, you know, we live or die by, you know, what they deliver each week. You know, we're seeing very different voices show up in our pre-tapes, which I which I really appreciate. Rich 5 years from now. Is Keenan still in the cast? (laughs) No, but I could easily see him coming back for a lot of cameos. He could (laughs) he could be rolling in just. You know what? We need a Willie one more time. Let's 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 bring back David Ortiz, even though David Ortiz hasn't played baseball in
0: years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rich, any other final thoughts?
1: No, you know, I will say for, you know, for the show, it was, it was, you know, it was fun watching it last night, but when, uh, you know, before the first commercial break, when the card came up to say, you know, returning January 14th, Felicity Jones and, and Sturgill Simpson, it was a very weird feeling to be like, wow, we will not be discussing that episode. SNL continues without us. Uh, but, uh, you know, SNL has been around 42 years and running. Uh, it will outlive all of us. It is an institution that I still love. And, uh, even like last week's episode that I was very down on, it does not dampen my spirit as an SNL fan. And that that will live on whether we're talking about it here or in another form or, or just to each other.
0: All right. And of course, uh, Rich, uh, from time to time, will uh, write blog posts and always uh, tweet about the show and all sorts of stuff like that. So make sure you follow Rich on Twitter at RichTack. Uh, anything else you want to uh, put out there, rich? Uh,
1: you know, actually thanks to this, uh, great suggestion of Scott St. Pierre, who doesn't, who doesn't get enough credit for all he does. Uh, I'm doing a live storytelling show that I'm producing once a month here in Los Angeles. And next week on uh, next month, January 22nd, we are going to do it Facebook live as well. So I'll send out a tweet, but if you are around at uh, 1230 PM uh, Pacific time, wherever you are and you are on Facebook, you can see me and uh, some very fun and funny people uh, telling some true first person stories, uh, in in silver lake which will be really fun
0: all right well uh rich it's been uh, such a pleasure to get to talk to you about this show every, every week uh you're such a wealth of knowledge about this uh show and uh, i really was uh i think uh, speaking for many of the listeners as well well we're very lucky to be able to get your expertise on all of this stuff
1: well, we would not have done it without you. It's so fun. I mean, this is just, you know, such a highlight of every week to sit and just chat and just have fun. And, you know, all the participation of all of the people who have, you know, sent in questions, joined the chat room, you know, comment on it. I, I
0: feel like it's been part of a big community, which has been a wonderful experience. Okay. also thanks so much again to james keiston again to the aforementioned uh, scott st pierre uh who really has edited all these shows and gets the live show up every week so uh thanks uh to scott uh who is the engine behind this podcast and many others that i do so thanks again to scott and uh i think that's about it rich anything else that's it no all i right. think
1: uh that's it it's- all good we're
0: all all good all right until until uh we have some more sNl to talk about take care everybody have a good night bye bye bye